There's a psalm I'd like to start out with this morning. Psalm 103, verse 8. It goes like this. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. God's merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. Psalm 103, verse 8. And as I think of that psalm as we introduce this message this morning, I think of the character of our Heavenly Father. I think of His love. I think of His mercy, His compassion, how He feels for us, how His mercy pardons sin, and how His grace bestows favor. Our Lord is slow to anger. He's abounding in mercy, providing more than we'll ever need. The mercy of God, it, it, it can't end. It, it, it's not exhausted. The Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. As you remember last week, if you were here, we looked at the younger brother and, and the love of the father as he bestowed that lavished love on the younger brother. This week, our, our goal is to consider the older brother, the older brother portrayed in that uh, video. If you're here with your Bible, you're welcome to open to Luke chapter 15 this morning. Luke chapter 15, and I'd like to reflect on some of that passage this morning. But before we do, I'd like to introduce who the Lord's writing to in this parable. And we see that in verses 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors, Luke 15 verses 1 and 2, and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees... And the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So that's the premise of who this passage is addressed to. The, the, the one who welcomes sinners, of course, is Jesus. And, and that's a key phrase as we think of this parable this morning. I'm so glad that God welcomes sinners. He, he welcomes us because we're sinners. And, you know, we're either going to be like Jesus, who welcomes those who desperately need him, and I know I'm one of those who need him. Or we're going to be like the Pharisees who are self-righteous teachers who shun those and, and feel they have a right to judge. And, and, and as we really look closely and examine this older brother, you'll see that he's a, a Pharisee. You know, in your notes, it's interesting that Jesus ministered to sinners while the Pharisees condemned them. Lost sinners come to Jesus not because he caters to them or, or compromises his message, but because he cares for them. And they knew he truly cared. And as I look at that paragraph there, you know, that needs to be us as a church. You know, not cater, not compromise the message, but care enough to truly lavish the love of Christ on those that are, are near us. So let's focus on this older brother this morning. The, the passage continues on in verse 25 of, of Luke 15. And it says this, Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come home. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and he pleaded with him. And so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. 
I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as that, this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I'd like us to look at this older brother. There's just two points to this message, the first one, and that first point is simply an examination of the older brother, the big brother, the prideful brother. Warren Wearsby, one of my favorites, says it this way concerning this older brother. You know, we can admit that the older brother had commendable virtues. He worked hard. He'd obeyed his father. He never brought disgrace to the home or the village, even had friends. He seems like a good citizen, solid man compared to his younger brother. However, as important as obedience and diligence are, they are not the only tests of true character. What was missing in this prideful brother with the two greatest commandments? Love God and love others. A verse we used last week, and I'd like to throw it at us again this morning, is 1 John 3, verse 1, talking about that, that prodigal love that God bestowed upon us. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Prodigal. Reckless living. Squandering. Living lavishly. And remember we said it has a double meaning because many refer to this prodigal story as the prodigal God because he lavishes our love on him. And that's probably a better way to approach this passage. But we see a father who, who even though we don't deserve it, lavishes his love upon us. This older brother, as we, as we look at his life, as we see his attitude, notice first of all that he just refuses to become part of the gathering. He refused to join the party. That's the first thing I, I notice here as we, as we examine his life. He's in the field. He's working. He gets close to home and you know, he hears this dancing and, and celebration. Obviously, this was before the Baptist church because there was dancing. And they're having this, this great activity, this festivity. And, and, and one of the servants comes and says, well, what's going on? And the servant, of course, you, you can hear his excitement in the passage. He, he says, your dad's killed the fatted calf. He, he's happy. He's joyful. Your wayward brother has come home. And as we look at this, there's just no joy in his life. And he refuses to rejoice, really, for what God has done and is doing in his brother's life. You know, a passage that helps me with this, as I think and try to uh, uh, encourage us with this point, is, is a passage in Romans, Romans chapter 12. It fits here. Let me read it to you. It says this, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another and do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. 
Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And then it says, Beloved, and beloved are believers, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So the attitude really for us is to be joyful when there's a sinner that has come home. And this older brother had missed it. We see his pride because he refuses to join in, and then he becomes angry. We see this. I like how one commentator describes this anger of this older brother. He says this, it carries the idea of swelling, settled anger that rises like sap in a tree on a hot day. He was boiling. As we like to say in the north, he's ticked off. He's, he, 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 he's hot. Now, anger... Probably a lot of us have that emotion. In fact, I venture to say all of us, and we handle it in different ways. Some stuff your anger, some avoid your anger, some explode. I happen to be an exploder. But, you know, anger is not something that has to be sin. It's, an, it's a normal emotion. I remember different times I'd be half asleep in my chair on Sunday afternoon, and, you know, the kids would act up and bump my chair, and the first thing I'd do, I snapped Yelled at them, threw the chair. Not one, throw the chair. But, but my attitude, you, you, you ever notice how much energy you get when there's anger? You know, I mean, it's just, it can be used in a, in a good way to, to resolve conflict rather than, than start conflict. But, but, but we see this older brother because the anger gets, gets the best of him. He, he sins. And we see his sin toward his father. Do you hear his tone? He says, you never even give me a young goat. Now, something, as I, as I was reading this passage, it just kind of helped me. And again, I always think more toward the idea of relationship and, and even my, my own personal relationship. But do you notice what the, 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 the older brother says? He says, you never gave me such as even a young goat. I don't know about you, but when I... Use phrases like you never or you always, you know, you never make dinner right or you always are late or you're always this or, it, you know, those phrases get us in trouble. So, so really, the, the, the older brother, you know, he, he's given us what not to do here. It's, it's not a good statement, you know, to, 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 to use. And, and we see his sin toward this, this younger brother. There's no joy, there's no hope in his heart because his brother had come home. His brother had come to the truth. And the attitude is, he's worthless. Galatians is a passage that helps me when I think of this point too because sometimes, again, we do get angry at times. But it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in the sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And then the Bible says to carry one another's burdens. And when we're doing this, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. So, so Galatians 6, 1 and 2 is great counsel here to, to help us as, as we seek to be overcomers of anger. And then 
the last thought here is there's just no joy in the younger brother's return. In fact, there's, in verse 30, there's not even an acknowledgement. He, he says, that son of yours, you know, his dad, he, he'd had to watch his dad for years just grieve and, 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 and feel the emotion of hurt. And, and he sees him happy, and yet there's just no rejoicing with those who rejoice. So there's no joy as we, as we examine this older brother. Now, how do you get that way? How, how do we get this way? How do we really get like the Pharisees? Because, you know, I, I tend to get that way sometimes. Let's look at some things in his life as we expose this older brother. This is the second thought to the message. As we expose him, as we look at him. Now, the younger brother, don't get me wrong, he'd, he'd been far, far from perfect. In fact, we could even say he had these sins of passion. And that separated him from his father. But you know what I see in, in, in this section as we look at this? The, the sins of attitude. His attitude is what separated him here. You know, we could say that he was further away than the younger brother. And he never even left the farm. He was so wrapped up in himself that, that, that he was blinded. To his sin. So let's look at these attitudes, these things that, that creeped up in this uh, older brother that I'd like us to look at this morning. The first one is, of course, pride, the, the root of it all. That's the attitude we see that he has pride. He was self centered and willing to boast about it. Pride, a feeling that you respect yourself and deserve to be respected by other people. That's pride. You know, I've earned this. A feeling that you're more important or better than other people. Pride. You know, Francis Chan, this is how he describes pride. And it's a really pretty good uh, description of pride. Pride's like bad breath. You're usually only, the only one that doesn't know they have it. Isn't that kind of like, or, you know, and, and I'll tell you what helps with, with, uh, to have victory over pride. Have good friends, people in your life. They're going to speak truth to you and shoot you straight. It's good to have that. You know, I, I remember for years I, I had the privilege of working with teenagers. And the great thing about teenagers, they, they shoot you straight. And uh, they'd tell me when I had bad breath. You know, <laughs> probably you've been smelling my breath for 10 years and you never even noticed. The first thing you do, you go, oh, man, do you smell Marburger's breath this morning? It about knocked me over. Well, it probably does, because the more I talk, the more I get bad breath, so I have bad breath a lot. Uh, but my point is, you know, pride it gets in the way. When we start using this word I, it gets us in trouble. And, and that's where this brother was. He was just so full of himself. He, he thought his emotions were justified. I've slaved for you, Dad, all these years, verse 29. Some verses on pride that help us. Proverbs 8, verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Proverbs eleven two: When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit. Before a fall. Don't get so full of ourselves that God can't use us. James 
gives us some great insight too. James 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So brush your teeth. So the attitude of pride's here. I see envy here. You never gave me a young goat. Envy. Resenting what someone else has to the point of not wanting them to have it. Do you get envious at times? You see that new car come into the parking lot? You say, man, they must have got another raise. Man, I wish I made what they made. I wish I had the car they had. You know, and you start to say, I bet I'll work as hard as them. And yet, you know, there's no room for that in the Christian life. When envy is resenting to the point that you want to have it, and then you start saying, man, they don't even deserve it. Or you drive home today and you start driving by those houses and you drive by those nicer houses and you start thinking, you see their yard and all this and that, and then you pull up to your house and say, man, this is the slums. Um, I don't say that, by the way. Um, but, but, you know, again, envy gets in there. We, we resent. And again, it's an attitude that we see in this older brother and, and, and it creeps in and it creeps into the church. And, and I think sometimes, you know, uh, we, we get further into our Christian walks and we just start to think, well, you know, we, we, we rationalize these emotions. Envy. Here's one, ingratitude. Ingratitude is seen here. You know, the brother makes the choice to dwell on what the father had not done for him. That's ingratitude. He forgot that he had been living with his father the whole time. And that everything his father owned was available to him. You know, it's so very vital that we realize that being unthankful and ungrateful and full of ingratitude often causes us to miss what's right in front of us. And again, the opposite of these, these issues that we're pointing out is like pride. It's, it's humility. Envy is being joyful. Of what the other has. Ingratitude is to be thankful. And I'll tell you, the more we're thankful, the less opportunity we have to, to be ungrateful. I encourage you to make it a practice to just regularly thank God for what He's done and is doing in your life. And, and you know, thankfulness is obedience. I know that because of what the Bible says. First Thessalonians 5, listen to what it says in verse 16. Be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A thankful spirit. Expectation rather than gratitude made this older brother a miserable man. And then bitterness is seen here too. He gets angry, he refuses to go into the party, and he turns on his dad I don't even get a young goat. You know, that son of yours. His his misery led to bitterness. The entitlement, the privileges he thought he had as being the older brother got him in trouble. I love how Hebrews counsels us on this idea of bitterness. It says this in Hebrews 12, verse 15. I encourage you to know this verse, memorize this verse, because often we we get in trouble. It says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God 
and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You know, we miss out in that, that a root of bitterness. Don't let life make us bitter. Be thankful people. Be thankful people. You know, again, we're rich Americans. We have so much to be thankful for. And the bad thing about these attitudes, they put wedges in relationships. They put wedges in families. There's still more, these sin attitudes. There's the sin attitude of self-righteousness. Do you see it with that phrase, all these years? Man, I've, I've taken care of the farm. That brother, he went and blew it all, Dad. Dad, I've arrived. How can you be so blind? Oh, brother. There's unforgiveness here. That son of yours who squandered it all. Your property, he was with prostitutes. And you come home, or he comes home, and you kill the fatted calf. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Is there someone in your life today that maybe you're not letting up? That you've grudged for days, a couple hours, years? Unforgiveness. There's too much mean and not enough mercy. This is a quote from Joe Stoll. It really fits here. It's unfortunate and sad to see Christians become so enraged. When followers of Jesus spend more time condemning their enemies than praying for them and showing love to them, they lose their spiritual credibility. Jesus expects us to stand out from the world by letting our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Listen to the rest of the quote. One way we live that out is by obeying his command to love our enemies. You know, it's easy to love one that loves in return. That's no test of character. That's nothing to learn. The real lesson comes when we follow Christ's call to love those who would love to see us fall. <laughs> the older brother. He missed out. He missed the joy of, of forgiving his father. He missed the joy of uniting the family again. <laughs> he missed the joy of, of pleasing his father and uniting uh, broken relationship, restoration. There, there's nothing like good old-fashioned restoration. You know, just, uh, just last night, it was interesting. We, um, my wife, of course, is a military brat. And uh, she's not a brat, though, I promise. But she uh, was in Europe for a while. She was actually born in France, and then in junior high, she is in Europe. And one of her good friends, Kelly, Kelly Peeper is her name, and they, uh, in junior high, um, happened to be passing through Shelby last night. I mean, who, who comes through Shelby? Well, going through. So guess what we meet? Chick-fil-A. And uh, we meet her and her parents at Chick-fil-A. And, and Kelly's the same age as Heidi. And uh, she's uh, gone through a, a pretty nasty divorce the last 
six, seven years of her life. And uh, it was interesting to hear her heart uh, because she said uh, to Heidi, uh, about three years ago, her, her ex-husband came to her and, uh, and asked her to forgive him. And she did. And in uh, fact, this is really interesting, they go to the same church. And the attitude of Kelly is, why should I not forgive? You know, look what Christ has done for me. And, you know, forgiveness is just, you know, not necessarily, it's not, you don't have to be right, but there's nothing like restoration. There's, and, 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 you know, what's interesting, you know, I, I only, this is the first I'd ever met Kelly. I was, we spent the, about 40 minutes in Chick-fil-A. But, but you know, there's a, there's a freedom in her life. There's a hope in her life. There's a, there's a peace in her life. And, and, and forgiveness just gives us that that cleansing so so let go and, and it's we have all been through different things and, and we say well you don't know what i've been through well, i don't but but god does and, and there's hope at the cross and, and and again these these attitudes of of envy and ingratitude and bitterness and self-righteousness creep up often when there's unforgiveness and then there's one more there's a there's a judgmental attitude you know, we do know that the younger brother did squander what he had. But, but do you see the judgmentalness of this, this older brother? He figured out that it was easy to find the fault in those around him. And it seems that his judgmental attitude caused him to be obsessed with how perfect he was and how much he had done right. And again, he is missing the whole point. The father in no way was praising the son for what he'd done. He was not honoring him for his waste and, and the way he lived. The party was celebration because of his repentant and his heart coming to God. The father showed lavished love to his son and the son came back. And he, and he shows that same love to his, his older son as well. He just is not willing to receive it. In, in Luke 15, there's a, there's a verse tucked away there, verse 7, that kind of helps us with this. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. The son recognized his need. He longed for his father's forgiveness. And because of that rejoicing that flowed from this dad's heart, he wanted to have a party. The judgmentalism of the big brother just caused him to miss out. So, so application. So what? I, I, I know Pastor Brendel's helped me with that. He finishes the sermon and often he'll say, okay, so what? So, so what are we going to do with it? What, what are we going to do with the challenge of the big brother, this prideful older brother? Examine ourselves. I, I'd like us to open our eyes. And as I, as I think of opening my eyes, uh, what must I do? I, I think the first thing, and I've always just started to mention this, is open our eyes and personally examine our own lives. Are we starting to become bitter, cynical, unforgiving, 
envious, prideful people. Do, do we start to act like this older brother and think that we're justified in feeling the way we do? You know, I, I love this phrase I have in, in your application there. It says, time passes, and we start believing we're good people, and we easily become critical, judgmental, and unloving. We're all beggars who have found the bread, if you know the Lord, and that's what we are. Secondly, we must open our eyes and not act like the Pharisees, not act like this older brother. The beginning of the chapter, remember they muttered, this man welcomes sinners, he eats with them. There's just no use that he had for the prodigal. And again, the longer we sometimes live, we get like these Pharisees. We, we see ourselves as the one who never left. Pride and anger and envy and unforgiveness and bitterness and ungratefulness, they sneak in there. So open your eyes. Don't be like the Pharisees. And then one more. Open your eyes to the, to the heavenly Father's love. This parable, it closes with the older brother standing face to face with the father and his anger is out of control. And yet I love the dad's response in verse 31. My son, you're always with me. All I have is yours. This father, my child, you've never taken the opportunities to fellowship and rejoice with me. I've been here for you every day. You know, I got to sit in one of the connect groups uh, earlier this morning, and one of the members of the class made this statement, and I, I wrote it down right in my notes here. Um, and this was the reflection of this gentleman in the class after years of living life as a follower of Christ. He said it this way, I can't do anything bad enough to keep him from loving me any less. I can't do anything bad enough to keep him from loving me any less. And that's pretty good theology, isn't it? You know, he loves me is all over this passage. His lavished love, this prodigal God who, who, who shows an attitude of, it's all yours. Just take it. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be children of God. And that is what we are. Let me close, close with just a quote from a, another commentator friend of mine. Um, Kent Hughes. He said it this way in regard to this passage, and then we're going to pray. No one is beyond his love. You cannot do anything that will keep him from kissing you and bestowing upon you the robe, the ring, and the sandals. Utter forgiveness is the only kind God gives. But there are only two qualifications for this forgiveness. First, we must see ourselves before we can see God. We must recognize that we are wayward sons if we are to see his love and if we know what we are we can know his love and then secondly we must see ourselves in the lost son and then we must come home let's pray lord thank you for passages in the bible like this that are full of your love for righteous people unrighteous people 
uh, all types of people. And Father God, as we reflect on this passage this morning, help us see ourselves in the eyes of this older brother and examine ourselves as to what you want to do with us in light of these truths. So Lord, as we go into this time of invitation, I would ask God that you would help each of us grow in these areas that we need to grow in, become more and more in love with you and your truths and with your church as a result of being here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.